Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. On today's episode, host Dan Moore welcomes Ariel Garten, a neuroscientist, former psychotherapist, former fashion designer, and the co-founder and visionary of tech startup, Muse. Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on your meditation and sleep. Ariel's mission in life is to help people understand how their brain and mind work and how that plays out in the human experience of living. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. We are so excited to have Ariel Garten with us, who is actually Ariel Muse, and we're going to hear more about that in just a couple of minutes. So Ariel, welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's my joy and pleasure to be here today. You give people the gift of sleep. You give people the gift of proper connection with their own thoughts and proper mind-body wholeness, which I think is absolutely wonderful. We'll hear about that a little bit later, but what I'd love to know is some of the most important specific events or the people that were big impacts on you. Absolutely. And I've definitely had a number of pivots. I've had multiple careers, even in my relatively young life. So as a child, my mom was an artist. So I grew up watching her take a blank canvas and turning it into this incredibly colorful, beautiful work of art. So from her, I learned that you could take nothing and build on it whatever was inside your imagination. And my dad was an entrepreneur in real estate. So from him, I learned that you don't need to have a normal job. You don't need to work for somebody else from nine to five to make your impact on your own life in the world. And I went to school for science. Um, I was always very into art and creation. I actually became a clothing designer along the way. I, at the age of 16, I took my clothing and started hawking it in stores in downtown Toronto. That was the entrepreneurial uh, influence in me. And uh, from there, a few stores took it on. And even from the age of 16, I was a clothing designer. The same time, I loved science. I have no idea where that came from. And I started working in research labs from the age of actually 17 on. Went to school for neuroscience um, and always played these two sides between art and science. And that's kind of where the, you know, the pivots kept going back and forth, back and forth until the two streams finally merged in my 20s with the creation of Muse. So after graduating with my neuroscience degree, I opened a clothing store. Um, I ran that for several years until my dad showed up and said, this is amazing. It's awesome. You're in the newspaper. You're doing all this stuff, but you have to stop this business. It's really like never going to keep you in the style that you want to live in. The economics of this make no sense. So at 22, where I thought I was the coolest person in the world because I was a clothing designer and, you know, doing runway shows and having my stuff sold across North America, I closed my business not knowing what I was going to do next. Mm. I then began collaborating with an incredible person called Dr. Steve Mann. He's a professor at the University of Toronto and really one of the pioneering inventors of the wearable computer. He made Google Glass before Google ever did. And the two of us began collaborating with this brain-computer interface system that he had, because I had a degree in neuroscience and an interest in how we create these things, these experiences using the brain and art. And that's when the art and science really started to merge. And we created concerts where people could make music with their mind. So mm. my artistic side, my neuroscience side, and now from Steve, the tech side started to come together. And I said, this is 
incredible. Like we're putting an EEG electrode onto our heads. We're hearing the output of our brainwave activity and we're sonifying that so you can have experience of your own mind. And I said, this is amazing. And here comes dad's entrepreneurial track. I think I can make a business out of this. <laughs> so that combined with my own naivety brought myself, uh, my co-founders, Chris, who was one of Steve's master's students and Trevor, who was a friend of mine who was in business, who just knew how to make things fun and great. And the three of us set about to create this company that ultimately became Muse, that ultimately turned this technology into a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate and sleep. Yes. Oh my goodness. Isn't it great to know that impossible things can be done as long as you don't know they're impossible? Yes. I really credit my naivety for this. It was that sort of like 22, 23 year olds. I think I can do this. You know, I have confidence in myself. This sounds like a cool idea. And with that sort of passion and drive, I was able to bring together people who had the skills and possibilities and, and capabilities. And ultimately, after a whole lot of hard work and experimentation and failure and success, we were able to create this entirely novel thing in this entirely novel category. Can you share a little bit about Muse too and, and what the subscription model does that's beyond simply the band itself? Sure. So what Muse is, it's a slim little headband with EEG sensors on your forehead and behind your ears. Um, it's really just like wearing a Fitbit on your wrist, but it's a little headband on your head. And what it does is it tracks your brain activity while you meditate and is able to translate your meditation into guiding sounds. So most people, when we sit down to meditate, you sit there, your brain's kind of bouncing all over the place. You're not totally sure when you're doing it right. And there's no little coach or guru inside your head saying, yep, that's the meditation zone. Stay there. Don't do anything else. You got it. Or, hey, your mind is wandering. Come on back. So with Muse, we're able to solve that problem by literally translating your level of meditation and mind wandering into guiding sounds. So when your mind wanders, you hear a storm pick up. And as you bring yourself to quiet, focused attention, the storm quiets. So you're really getting this beautiful, real-time feedback that's guiding you as to what to do. And then after your meditation, you get data, charts, graphs, scores, things that show you moment by moment what your brain was doing and how you've improved. So it's really awesome for a person who's never meditated before. It just walks you through what to do. We've now had literally hundreds of thousands of people learn to meditate with Muse. And it's also great for experts who want to gain an additional insight into their mind during meditation and hone that practice. Because the most difficult part about meditation is the meditation itself because the, <laughs> the brain goes crazy. Yep. My wife is a yoga instructor and she's continually working with me on the meditation and calming the brain. And so to be able to track that and the sound feedback that brings us back, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. And you and she can both use it together. Multiple people can use the same device. We've always wanted to be on the same wavelength. <laughs> you literally will be. That's awesome. Truly. Along the way in this amazing career path that you've had, Ariel, I'm sure that you have hit some brick walls, things that were not expected that just zapped you and maybe you felt like you couldn't get around it, over it, through it. And any, any insights that you could share with me or our listeners about times when they hit this unexpected setback that they just, what do I do next kind of thing? There have been so many of them. So, I mean, initially in my career path, when I gave up my role as this amazing designer, getting all of this, you know, kudos from the world, I was quite lost and didn't know what to do. And I took a course on NLP, neurolinguistic programming. I took another course on massage therapy. I was just trying to experiment and discover where I was going to be going next. I ultimately ended up actually training as a psychotherapist at that point as well. 
for my postgraduate studies and continued working with Dr. Mann, ran into him, you know, began our process together. And so my lesson that I take away from that is wherever you are in your life, you always have options. And so even if you can't see through it, just take a step to the left or right. Just try something else. Reach out to somebody. Throughout my life, simply cold emailing people that I wanted to work with has actually resulted in a number of amazing relationships and opportunities. So, you know, know that you yourself are capable. The answer may not be clear, but if you continue to work around it, try different things, experiment and explore, there will be a pathway that becomes clear for you. Mm, I like that. Even if you can't see through it, if you step to the right or left, you may be able to see another path. And the realization that there's always options, because unless we admit there's a possibility of something, we'll never even get out of bed. So reminding ourselves there are options is that first step. So I think it's fantastic. And that lesson served me again later in my life. I'd raised the seed series for my company, a few million dollars. I went on to raise the series A and then the series B. And along the way, I got quite stuck. I had 45 employees. I was out to raise six or $7 million and I had pitched probably 50 VCs. And I had just hit the road, pitching, pitching, pitching. You know, I had already raised money. So I knew that people believed in the idea. I knew it was good. We had traction. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working this time. And I could have given up at any point along the way. I could have given up at, you know, VC 25, at VC 35, at VC 50, but I didn't. Um, And every time somebody said no, I took their feedback, I took their ideas and just tried stepping to the side and trying something a little bit different with the next person. And ultimately met a female VC from Hong Kong who invested $6 million in the company, which has since, you know, unlocked another 40 or $50 million of investment beyond that. So, you know, from that, I take both the original lesson of step to the side, as well as new lessons of grow and adapt. When you hit a no, figure out why, take that information, and then shift and change. And never think that no really has anything to do with you personally. You know, had I taken any of those no's personally, had I become disappointed or depressed, I would not have been able to succeed. I would not have had the tenacity to keep moving towards that goal that I needed to accomplish. Otherwise, my 45 employees would be out of work shortly. So, you know, just keep learning, growing, shifting, changing with all the new information. And you left out one key word, perseverance. Yes. You didn't make two calls on VCs. You made more than 50. Think of how many times people give up because they just don't try enough times. And had I stopped at number two, I'd never have a business. (laughs) That's true. You have to really balance this question of, is it that the idea overall sucks and I should really stop doing this? Or is it that I haven't quite got it yet? And if I just do this thing, I'll get there. And I've luckily been afflicted by uh, the belief in the second rather than the belief in the first. You've also given us a clue to what really drives you as a business person. And that's the responsibility to your employees and your team. The realization that they're looking to you for job security. They're looking to you for opportunity. I imagine that keeps you from getting complacent. Absolutely. And actually, it's bigger than that. For me, it's a responsibility to society. You know, there are many, many, many ways to make money. And the best way to make money is while you're serving and helping other people doing it. So the creation of Muse has always been about creating a tool that's going to make people's lives better. And as soon as it stops doing that, we should really stop what we're doing and do something else. And so it's not just the need to keep our employees fed, but also give them purpose, meaning, drive, make sure that they're working on something they care deeply about. If you're not, 
lots of jobs that could align with you in the right way. And that we're creating something for the world that truly has benefit and truly is able to move people's lives forward. You saying in times like this, that calmness and inner peace actually have value to the world? Most certainly. (laughs) And what you just said is so important too, that unless we can think of a purpose bigger than just making money, first of all, we won't make much money. And second, it won't be satisfying. There won't be an impact and it will certainly not create anything that's lasting. And when you're creating something that has an impact greater than yourself, it's much easier to do it because more people will get on board. More people will say yes. More people will want to encourage and help and support you because now you're all working together in something bigger than yourselves. Mm -hmm. Albert Schweitzer once said that when your talents and abilities meet the needs of the universe, that's when you found your purpose. Oh, I love that. Talents and abilities and the needs of the universe totally intersect in what you're doing, Ariel. It's been persistence and luck, a healthy dose between the two. <laughs> you know what luck is, right? Tell me your definition. Preparation meets opportunity. That's that's luck. Now, on, on a sort of a personal life level, do you have a morning routine? Is there something that you start your day with? I know mine tends to be coffee-driven and some solitude first thing in the morning, hydration, affirmation, visualization, the, the Shaver methodology. But I'm wondering... How do you start your day or do you have a specific routine that helps you get things going? Absolutely. So I have a five-year-old. The family structure definitely drives the morning routine. So he wakes up at seven. I wake up without my alarm before that. I often wear my muse to sleep to track my sleep. So I'll slip my muse off and I'll see what my sleep score was and how my sleep was. Then I will lie in bed and do a gratitude practice or another meditation practice while he is waking up. Then he comes in and cuddles with me for a little while. And then he turns to me with a sly look on his face and says, mommy, can we do some math? This kid is obsessed with math. And like (laughs) in his most intimate moments, the thing that comes to his mind is math. So we do some math problems. And then of course, it's, you know, the standard getting the family up and eating routine, making breakfast, lunches, out the door, walk to school. And then on the way home from that walk, just filling myself with the beauty of the breath of that day, the air that's there, the sun or the dampness or the clouds or the rain, whatever it is, just feeling the existence of being in that morning, the cool that awakens me or the warm that, you know, deliciously envelops me, whatever that day gives me. Then I come in, do my own breakfast and coffee, hang out with my husband for a bit and set about my work day. That is such a great thing. Yeah, children do tend to drive the schedule. And I also like the term that you've used in some of your publications that it helps people deal with this messy and beautiful experience called living. Yes. Messy and beautiful, which which it is. What advice would you give to somebody that just doesn't know where to turn right now to get themselves moving forward? Oh, that is such a beautiful question. Well, there are a few things that you can rely on, and one is yourself. And even though it may feel like you can't rely on yourself in this moment, that's not necessarily true. So the reason that we end up so ramped is because our nervous systems and our fear systems end up through the roof. And so possibilities seem much, much smaller when you're acting through fear. So one of the first steps to take is to calm yourself and calm your nervous system. Take deep breaths. reinforce the fact that you are safe, reinforce the fact that the world is still, you know, here for you. Opportunity is still here for you. Breathe deeply. Let your stomach relax, your shoulders, your face, and do what you can to really bathe yourself in this feeling of safety, warmth, and love. You know, whether it's with a partner, with a pet, 
with guided visualizations and meditations, whatever it is that's going to soothe you. The second is to step out and reconnect with the people in your community. You know, most of us have been isolated and a lot of people have social anxiety that has come out of that isolation. And so first of all, recognize that the sensation that you might be having when being around somebody else of like a tightness in your chest or a bit of avoidance, that's social anxiety. That's okay. And it is manageable and overcomable. So when you feel those sensations, become aware of them, address them again, deep breaths, and then look around and say, am I actually safe here? Is it actually okay to talk to this person? Am I going to gain benefit from it? Think about the positive cases and the positive scenarios. And if needed, you know, reach out for professional support and help to deal with just this latent social anxiety that exists. Also know it's common and many of us are facing it. And the more that we are able to reach out and find the value from deep connection, from the, find the value from saying hello to somebody and, and seeing them again, from chatting with a friend, the more we do that, the more the social anxiety starts to dissipate. And if it's, you know, too intense to go to a big party, don't do that you know, meet one-on-one with people or even just have some deep Zoom calls with your friends or FaceTime, you know, whatever is going to help you start to knit that back together and feed your soul. And in terms of the opportunities for what you might see coming next, you have a realm of possibilities available to you. You know, schooling, training, is there a course you want to take? You know, any step that you can take, any small step you can take is going to take you into the direction of a new opportunity in your life. You know, whether it's just taking a small online course or sending out your resume or reaching out to some contacts and seeing what's available for you or sending some cold networking emails or identifying what it is in your life that you really care about and you do want to do next. Maybe it's fantastic that you no longer have that restaurant job. What do you really care about? Is it your pet? Do you want to start a dog walking service? You know, the world is your oyster, which can seem very daunting, but when you break it down into little steps of, you know, knocking on some neighbor's doors and seeing if they want their dog walked, all of a sudden you have new opportunities and a new business in front of you and an entirely new lifestyle that you can create for yourself. So the world really is your oyster and that's not a scary thing. That is a very inspiring thing. And you have to open the oyster to find the pearl. Yeah. And it just takes steps. Take small steps, little steps, let those bells, let that cortisol dissipate let the good feelings come back in. Yeah. I know in my own case, whenever I feel sort of a need to reconnect, I call my best friend and we've been friends for 55 years. Met when we were in grade five, we just reconnect. It's the sense of we're all are part of someone else. We're part of something bigger. And when we feel too isolated and too alone, we feel like I can't do it. But when you have other people in our lives and all of us do, everyone has somebody in their life to lean on, to turn to, to laugh with. That's the message I'm hearing from you as well, Ariel. So it's very inspiring. Yeah, as you connect with other people, you both feel the deep satisfaction of that human connection. You feel the sense of support that emerges from that connection, that you're not alone. And you also have somebody to remind you of who you are, you know, as you start to see yourself reflected in them and the ways that you make them laugh or the ways that they want to engage with you, that gives you the confidence to re-experience yourself again, to feel your aliveness and your you-ness. Mm-hmm. I love your focus on taking small steps. It's like the training wheels get on the bicycle, get us back into motion. Eventually the wheels can come off and we're, we're more restored. And if you don't know what to do for yourself, do something for someone else. Mm-hmm. So if you're there kind of, you know, feeling a little bit lost and abandoned um, and you really don't know what to do for you, don't worry about it. Go do something for someone else. Go 
give a neighbor some banana bread, you know, go shovel somebody's walkway. From there, you will spark both the incredible sense of satisfaction that, oh my God, I can't have agency in the world and do something. You'll spark, you know, the improved relationship and really set things in motion. So taking actions for others is a fantastic way to heal yourself and find a new set of opportunities. Absolutely love that. Something about making a difference in other people's lives gets our mind off ourselves and more onto a bigger world. And then we can undo the brain lock that hits so many of us so, so strongly. Yes. Wow. Harold, time with you goes very, very quickly. And I've taken notes as we've gone along because of the personal encouragement I've gotten from our conversation. And I know that our listeners also are experiencing great things. Can I just say on behalf of us and our audience, we appreciate you. And we thank you for what you're contributing to the world, the way you're living your life and the impact you're having to make things better. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm grateful for these opportunities to share and for all the people I get to meet in my life. My joy and pleasure. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.